0: I'm still not growing my business because of my podcast or because i'm on social media every single one of my clients came because people said you have to talk to mark so people have to know how to say that so if it's your marketing your marketing has to be very clear i help these exact people with this exact problem for this exact result
1: you are an amazing human being you're a coach or expert who works hard to make a positive difference for your clients i'm joss willard and my mission is to help good coaches like you make great profits so you can live an amazing life helping the people you're meant to serve. This podcast is here to help with that. We'll be bringing you the information, resources, experts, and perspectives to allow your practice to make a difference, support the life you want, and reward you fairly and well for the impact that you bring. Welcome to Profit for Coaches. Hi there, welcome to another episode of Profit for Coaches. I am your host, Joss Willard super excited today. Today we get to talk to somebody that I love talking to that I don't get to talk to nearly enough, a guy I respect, a guy who I absolutely love how he shows up in the world. Today's guest is Mark J. Silverman. Mark is an executive coach. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a podcast host. Every once in a while we get lucky and he gets to be a podcast guest. He works with CEOs around the world, turning their fast-rising high achievers into effective leaders. He's written books. He hosts podcasts. He's actually, as you're going to hear in this episode, about to release his third book called The Rising Leader's Handbook. It's a great book. He's got some great training that he does, some great work that that he does. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But the big thing that I want you to take away from this episode is we talk about Mark's journey and how he has gone from how he started in coaching, his transition out of corporate, how he decided to be a life coach, finding, and as he puts it, clicking in finally after years and years into his zone of genius, his place where he knows exactly who he is serving and how and why. And I think there's some great stuff in here that can help you in your coaching journey to get to a place where you are enjoying your life, you're enjoying your practice, and you're helping the people that you're meant to serve faster than you ever thought it was possible. It's a great conversation, it's a great episode, buckle up, enjoy the ride. Real quick, our goal here at the podcast is for these episodes to provide techniques, tools, skills, strategies, and inspiration that can help any coaching practice be more profitable. But you want your practice to be more profitable. And while you can get all kinds of great things from this episode and any episode of Profit for Coaches, what will help you even more is advice, guidance, and action steps designed around your unique situation, your life, your practice, your goals, your challenges. How can we best help you with that? The quickest way to get you exactly what you need for your practice is for you to head over to ProfitForCoaches.com. When you're there, click on and grab your Profitable Practice Scorecard. It's absolutely free, it just takes a few minutes. Fill out the scorecard. It will let us know exactly where your practice is and where you want it to go and what you're dealing with. Once you've done that, you'll get a response that tells you exactly what you can do next. The action steps you can take to make your practice more profitable and get you where you want your practice to be as soon as possible. So head on over to ProfitForCoaches.com and grab your Profitable Practice Scorecard today. Mark, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Great to see you again. How's it going, man? It's going great. I love
0: talking to you whether the mic's on or not. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> talking is fun. You're, you're a good conversation, my friend. So um, where do we want to start, man? We, I think the rising leader is a good, good place to start because that's kind of you or has been you for years and years, but now you're branding this way. You have a book course. When's the book coming out?
0: The book should be out by the end of the year. The book okay. and the course, will be, uh, the course will be done in about a month and a half, uh, and then the book will be.
1: fall right after that. Okay. So a month and a half. So the course actually should be out like a couple of weeks after this This goes live. Yes. So that's cool. Um, so you're aiming for mid-October? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. I can do math. Look at me, reading it's a
0: calendar. It's, it's really amazing, especially when you're trying to figure out, when are we having the conversation? When are people actually going to be listening to this? Okay, let's do math from a mythological date.
1: Exactly, Uh, the fun of being a
0: podcaster, right? So, who's it for? So, the rising leader is for people who are in the executive suite. They're on the leadership team of an organization. It's not middle managers. It's not first-time managers. It's those people who are now um, have moved into the leadership part of the organization. So, it's uh, it's you know they usually have been uh, promoted pretty quickly. They're usually a bit above bull of it in the China closet, you know, really good at what they did, really good at what they do. And now they need to learn how to be executives.
1: I guess together they've they've had to do some leadership already.
0: Right. They they've already they've already been managers, they've already been leaders. Now, now it's you know, there's just a sense of maturity. There's a there's a sense, you know, now they're working directly for the CEO. Okay. Right? They're in the C-suite or they're a VP working for. Uh, someone in the C-suite, so they're up up in that part of the organization.
1: What are they feeling that makes them go, "Ooh, this might be for me"?
0: They're feeling out of out of their depth. They're feeling a little bit over their skis. Because what happen What happens when you move up into the into that part of the organization mm-hmm. is not only do you do you have to lead a team of the people who are under you, you have to figure out how to lead peer to peer. You have to figure out how to be part of a team and still lead with other people who are jockeying for positions, who have a point of view, who have ambitions, but who also wanna have a team, right? And all rowing in the same direction because you don't wanna have friction. Then you also have to learn how to lead up. You You have to know how to deal with your CEO. Dealing with your CEO is very different than dealing with your manager. Yeah. The CEO has a, is, a, is a lonely position mm-hmm. who, and they have, a, they have a very specific need in their team below them. So managing all those, leading up, leading across, leading yourself and leading your team are all the things that they, you have to juggle once you get to that part of the organization.
1: Yeah, cool. So in the old days, I don't know if it's still true or not, I've been out of corporate for a long time, but in the old days, a CEO was hired more for their connections and relationships than necessarily for um, a skill set, although there is a skill set, they're building relationships and, and being able to, to connect. But quite often, you'd bring in a new CEO because you were hoping that their network, they were going to be able to leverage that for your company, and a certain amount of leadership and and stuff there. So, is that a? Is that still the case? And b, how is that affecting someone who then? is moving up into a leadership role and now like you said has to lead up has to integrate connect and and deal with that CEO. Let's let's talk about the
0: personality of a CEO versus what they have to do. The personality of a CEO generally is a visionary, right? They they're not a nuts and bolts person. There are engineers and you know people who like that who have risen to that uh you know that level of leadership but they've had to learn those leadership skills along the way it's the visionary part it's the it's that piece and the, and the political part uh, so so uh, a ceo answers to shareholders mm-hmm. a ceo answers to the board but a ceo also answers to the organization right there when when you're when you're having a conversation with your ceo one of the things i teach my people is you have to understand they feel responsible for your job. They feel responsible for the janitor's job. They feel responsible for ev- your families. Every night that they put their head on their pillow, they're thinking about all of you. Then they're thinking about the business. Then they're thinking about uh, you know, their, their shareholders. Then they're thinking about their own families and their own well-being. So they have all that on their mind. So how do you make your CEO into a three-dimensional human being? And then how do you lead them? How do you manage them from that point of view?
1: I like that. Because um, there is this, the two-dimensional painting of what is the CEO? Um, and depending on where you come at it from inside or outside of a company, socioeconomic and all that other kind of and political stuff, there's, there's always that they're either the the driver or the greedy capitalist or the whatever it is, but yeah, being able, especially if you're inside the business and on the team, being able to go, okay, how is this a human being and how do I interact with them as such? Um, I think that kind of, it reminds me of that question to ask yourself when someone cuts you off in traffic or does something just that seems idiotic at the time where you, go, okay, why would a rational, intelligent generally well-meaning human being make this decision instead of that jackass he must be it. like i think applying that at this in the c-suite level it seems to make sense
0: most, most people don't think of that they, they they you know they have ambitions to be ceo they're sitting they're sitting in their vp seat they're thinking sitting on the leadership team thinking i could run this company better i wouldn't make those decisions right i wouldn't do you know like why why is he stressed out? like all the, if i was ceo i wouldn't be so stressed out and when when we take that, when we put ourselves in the CEO's shoes and understand the pressures that they're under, understand why they're maybe asking too many questions about a project or asking about timelines, because every time, every time, and you as a leader uh, will do the same thing for the people who work for you, but every time he turns his back, he or she turns his back on a project, on something that they've given to someone on the team, It's still their responsibility. So they have to be able to come back and deal with the anxiety of not being in control of all those things. So understanding that makes you more understanding of why they may seem like they're micromanaging or not leaving you to you to yourself.
1: That's fascinating and it's great stuff. And I'm highly recommending whether you are a person who deals with CEOs and corporate culture or not, get the book, take a look at the course. If you come across somebody who is in that position is not necessarily an ideal client for you, you know, send them off to Mark. Mark's a great guy and he knows what he's doing. But I want to talk now because, you know, most of the audience are are coaches. This is a change for you going to um, the rising leader. This is a relatively new branding for you. It's like you said, new course, new book, um, all of that. So how'd you get here?
0: It's an evolution. You and I have been talking for quite a while, just about the coaching business and how to be a successful coach. Uh, and, uh, you know, since I've known you, my, my success has, has, quite been quite exponential. It's been really, really cool. The piece that the piece that I didn't understand that people talk about is once you click in, you, you know, when you click into like you, you iterate as you're going, you figure out what your zone of genius is, you figure out what you're trying to accomplish. And then all of a sudden, when it clicks in, everything takes off for me. Uh, so I wrote this book only Tens, right? So I started out as a coach and I really started out as I, like, I really just want to help people. And then I realized I'm never going to make any money, uh, as a life coach who just wants to help people. Right. 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 I have, I have responsibilities. It's not that I'm greedy. It's just, I have responsibilities. And if I'm (laughs) going to be a coach, I have to make money in order to survive. So I did okay. Right. But I wasn't, I wasn't crushing it. Uh, so I write this book. Right, the uh, the only tens book, and I I write a book about having ADD and how do I run a business, and it just takes off and it becomes really successful, and that helps. That brings me into corporate America. I made Mm -hmm. I made the decision that where I want to be is in glass buildings with people who work at real stressful jobs for a living. So so I'm doing that. But meanwhile, I'm really interested in the mastering midlife thing, right? You know, because I'm, you know, I'm a midlifer and the pressure's on people. And again, my heart goes to people who feel the pressure of business, of family, of emotion, you know, mental health, of all that stuff. Yeah. So that becomes a thing, right? And it, and, it, and it becomes a thing all of itself. And like, do I follow myself down that way? All the while I'm doing that, my coaching business is all these rising leaders, mm but I see these leadership coaches. I see people who, you know, Tony Robbins, and I see all these people who are doing this leadership stuff. And I don't want to throw my hat in the ring and compete with these people. Yep. That's just not who I want to be. I want to find that unique thing that's me. Right. So while I'm working on that, and then I change mastering o- midlife to mastering overwhelm, and my speaking career takes off. This mastering overwhelm just resonates. Yep. And uh, And all of a sudden, I'm turning down Every week I turn down speaking gigs because it's such a good topic. So of course, it's a nine for me. So a, you know, nomenclature for only tens, yep. a 10 is the thing to do. A nine is a really good idea that you really should do. So mastering overwhelm was like a nine for me. And I'm running around doing this. And, and, and all the while, my coaching business is growing even more in these rising leaders. Right, mm-hmm. I coach a few CEOs, but yep. most of my business... Are these second-in-command?s These people who are in the C-suite, who are on the senior leadership team, and I'm called by the CEOs to help give them manners. They're really, really talented. They're amazing. Can you just teach them how to be part of this team? Can you teach them how to be a better partner for me in the organization? And my and my my finances are exploding in this area, and I'm still writing the book, Mastering Overwhelm. And I'm, uh-huh. brand, you know and you and I were talking about it, I'm branding this way. Yep. And then finally. I was talking to someone and I and I said, you know, they asked, What do you do effortlessly? What do you do without even thinking about it? And I never even it never even occurred to me to look at how my business went from CEOs and a few rising leaders to 50-50 to now 80% of my clientele are these people. And when I look at the response that I get. I have a hundred percent retention over the last year and a half, two years. It's kind, it's really kind of crazy that the results that I'm getting here. So when I looked at what I was doing effortlessly, that's when I was like, okay, we have to brand the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So who I don't want to write a book with the word leadership in it. (laughs) Because again, I'm going in there and I'm I'm stating that I'm Simon Sinek. I'm like I'm these these people who are these leadership gurus. Mm -hmm. But it's what I do all day every day. So that's where I surrendered to it and and it's exploded. It's crazy. And it's effort. And again, it's effortless for me. I have someone who's helping me build the course. And because again, I'm, you know, I'm ADHD. I can't, I can't put things in order. So she's quizzing me on module one and on and doing all this stuff. And once she puts it all in order, she said, What a breath of fresh air. She says, I don't have to prop up any of your content. You know your stuff inside and out, upside down, and all that. Like yeah, this is this is who I am. This is what I do all day, every day. So that that's that's been the evolution. But it's taken me years mm-hmm. to click in. Where my friend Helen Appleby, who you know is uh, she was a uh, uh, an executive, yep. uh, you, know, in, you know international executive, and she became a coach. She knew exactly she wanted to help rising women leaders. Right. right. So she clicked in immediately. For me, it took a long time trial and error, trial and error to, to fall into this.
1: Around that, like you've, you've iterated, you've, you've re re rejiggered the brand. You kept your coaching business going on at the same time for, for a coach who's like, well, I've gotten certified in these things, or I have this IP, or I've created this, or I've worked with these people. I've, I've built a brand, I've built a following. There's a, there can, can be a serious fear around abandoning that or, Changing from that, you know, will that, will that wreck my thing? Do I have to start all over from the beginning? Like, so for you, it, walk me through that process of it's okay to change and, and realizing this is where I'm at and this is how to, or that I need to brand this this way or I need to approach this this way. I was that guy every
0: step of the way. So like I like when I was Mark, you need to niche down. I don't want to niche down. I can coach everybody. No, you need to niche down, right? And, and okay, I niche down and I do I do well. Okay, you need to you need to pick a lane. I don't want to pick a lane. I coach some of these people and some of those people, right? Okay, I, so I start to pick I start to pick a lane. Then I start realizing overwhelm. Okay, so half my clientele are CEOs and entrepreneurs, and half my clientele are these people who are in the in the C suite. In in organizations. Okay, pick one. No. <laughs> and here's the interesting thing: is I so I pick one, and that doesn't change. That doesn't just because I'm saying I coach these people, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm not going to coach CEOs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do other things. I'm still going to do my mastering overwhelm talk and workshop and all that stuff. Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm I'm coalescing because again. Our, our mutual friend uh, uh, Toby Goodman, you know, he yeah. said, "Mark, you, you you can just date something for a while, right? Like yeah. when when you pu- put your podcast out, you know. So today I'm the mastering midlife guy today, and you know, next day I'm I'm the mastering overwhelm guy. So I have now learned that I can be fluid, mm-hmm. and uh, my marketing my marketing is not the same as what I'm doing. So CEOs, and I know other people who are, you know, certain kinds of coaches." And they have a whole clientele that aren't what they advertise for. Yep. So I'm not going to not coach a CEO. I'm just going to now focus and put energy behind something I've already been doing. Uh, so I ca- I couldn't have told me I just had to trust people back then that uh, it's not terrifying to pick a lane, and it's really satisfying to pick a lane that you got juice around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, being in your zone of genius is absolutely. All it's cracked up to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't have to think about what to say. You can throw me on a podcast. You can throw me on a stage. I already know my stuff. I yeah. don't have to practice it. I've already done that for a decade. If we're talking
1: to somebody who's earlier on, they've been working with clients. They're in that 80 to 100, maybe $120,000 a year. It's not stable, right? They're doing the, well, sometime I'm making money here. Sometimes I'm making money here. Some months I'm eating ramen, whatever, but they're, <laughs> you know, have you know, <laughs> and then the end of the end of the year their their accounts like hey congratulations you did $100,000 this year they're like how would i do that It didn't feel like it um so when they're in that stage and maybe that's early on how do we get the message or how would you share the message of it's okay to to pick a to pick a lane and i mean you just did it's okay to pick a lane and date it for a while but there's that that fear around or that or the argument of you don't know what your lane is you don't have enough experience that you've worked with some people is there a time when it's too early to pick a lane
0: I don't think so. I think, I think you know, a lot, like, again, I was talking about my friend, Helen, you know, if, you, if you've if you come out of a, if you've come out of something mm-hmm. and you have an expertise and you know that inside and out, you stay in that lane. All right. So I've been in the business world. Yeah. Uh, when I came out, I didn't, I actually didn't care about coaching business people. I really love the heart-centered coaching and all, of, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got rid of my Hugo Boss suits and, you know, completely transformed that thing. And it didn't fit. Mm. Even though my heart, I love that thing. That didn't fit. I'm so much more comfortable in a corporate office, right? In, in, in a suit. I love it. So why, don't, why wouldn't I go there? For, for me, though for people, it's that interviewing people to find out what you actually do for them. Mm -hmm. Not what you think you do for them, not what you'd like to do for them. What do you actually do for them? What Mm -hmm. are people saying about you that, you know, I go to mark for this? Because Mm -hmm. for the coaching business, whether it's marketing or it's referrals, and my business is 100% referral, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still not growing my business because uh, of my podcast or because I'm on social media. Every single one of my clients came because they said, people said, you have to talk to Mark. So people have to know how to say that. So if it's your marketing, your marketing has to be very clear. I help these exact people with this exact problem for this exact result, Yeah. right? Your marketing has to be so, and you and I have gone through, talked about this, your marketing has to be so exact that the funnel just clears, Mm-hmm. And when it's vague, the fun, you're like, oh, funnels don't work. And I don't know how to do marketing and all that stuff yeah. until it clicks in. That's the same thing with f- referrals. People have to know you're the person who helps with this particular thing yeah. so that yeah. they can say unequivocally, we're going to send them there. Uh, so you have to really kind of s- sit in that space.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. And it, just to harp on that a little bit, because it, it's a near and dear spot for me. The number of people who feel like I can run my coaching business 100% on referrals. And by the way, you, you pretty much can if you if you do it right. But if you don't know how to very clearly say, this is who I help, this is what I help them with, and this is the result they get. If you can't say that clearly, how on earth do you expect exactly. other people to know how to refer people to you? I don't understand how people don't put those two together, but-
0: They do. It's just because it's just, again, for me, it was hard to own this. Yeah i refuse there were people years ago who were saying mark you should do this you should start you should do a workshop and you should you should you should teach people how to be you know in the c-suite right you should do and i'm like no 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 that's not me that's not me because (laughs) because it was really hard for me to own it Hmm. so i'm going to go play with this and i'm going to go do this and then when i took a good hard look and it's in the you know the program that you and i are both in I, i remember uh, this, this, this young man, this young man was talking about his coaching business mm-hmm. and he said, I coach dance studio owners, how to add, you know, this amount of profit to their, to their thing. And these people don't make money in the first place. And he says, and I, and I do about $8 million a year. Yep. And I was like, what? Excuse <laughs> me. I coach billionaires.
1: What? <laughs> his <laughs> like, entire look- market is like a hundred thousand potential clients. Yes. Uh, who are all living
0: at the poverty level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's helping them out of the poverty level, right? Yep. But, so I actually went back after watching his presentation and I sat on the floor of my office and I say, he knows who he is, mm-hmm. what he does. Who am I and what do I do? And it was like a light bulb, yep. 60 years old, light bulb. What do I do all day, every day? And now I got my Now I know where my lane is. But I've already been doing it. I just couldn't see it because I couldn't own it. I couldn't. Um, I just couldn't see myself as the guy, even though I was already the guy.
1: Yep. And I think so. I don't want to. I don't want to get too transparent for you on your own finances. There's a lot of folks that I work with who are in that that 150 200 thousand dollars a year. They're doing okay. Like they they've been doing this for a while. I don't know if they feel like they've hit their stride or they feel like they've finished. But this it, it kind of goes up and down, right? Well, this is where I this is kind of where I belong. I just I can't make it work, or, or I'm making it work. But I see these people who are doing millions of dollars, and I'm still at this two hundred thousand dollar a year mark. What's the what's the switch, or how do I how do I flip that and get to that half a million million plus dollars a year in revenue without stressing out or selling out or whatever? You you had been telling me a little earlier that. Having this click in for you, as your expression, helped you make that kind of a jump.
0: Yeah, it it was exponent. It was crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the folks who are okay, I've got a business. It's a six figure business, but it's not where I want it to be. Coaching wise, what's the advice? How do they make that same click? So I have. I'm. You know me. You
0: invited me on. You know I'm. Our last conversation. I'm controversial. Oh, absolutely. A lot of these people shouldn't be coaches. Yep. Right. They just shouldn't be coaches. Uh these coaching schools are money making machines. You'll yep. make six figures. Eh, 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 you know, when you go coaches, hang out, you yo charge, charge fifteen thousand dollars for three months. But I've never coached anybody. No, do it anyway. Yep. Right. One of my first coaches was Steve Chandler, Godfather of Coaching. Yep. And uh uh, Steve and I have had an interesting relationship, uh, but you know, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I, I, I was talk- uh, I sent a message to him about something. And then I said, you know, by the way, I'm, you know, I'm at about two, 225 a year. Uh, I'm still not able to pay all my bills, but I'm about to, you know, I was really proud of myself. I'm you mm-hmm. know, 225, I'm a quarter million dollar a year coach. Right. But I, again, I said, I can't, uh, really pay my bills yet. Cause I have so many responsibilities yep. and <laughs> he writes back, you call that successful. <laughs> that's all he writes back to me. And I'm like, again, oh my God, does he have to punch me in the stomach again? But he's right. If I'm struggling for like, you know, 225 compared to most coaches, they would kill for that. That's amazing. Yep. Absolutely. Right. But as the head of a family of having, you know, all these responsibilities and everything, that's not enough. Nope. So it, he's right. It wasn't successful. In the world that I want, if I wanted to go live in an apartment, right, and not help my kids and right uh-huh. that kind of thing, that would be totally successful for, for what I'm trying to accomplish, it's not. So that, w- that was a wake-up call for me. Again, it's just as much work to do $200,000 a year as it is $500,000 a year. Yep. The thing that changes, because most of my, most of my business comes from one-to-one coaching, uh-huh. uh, is for me to go from a half a million to a million or beyond. Now I have to ha- start having the conversations I never wanted to have. How do I turn this into a business that scales? Yep. I just wanted to be a coach. I never thought I even wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Once I learned I how to be an entrepreneur, okay, great. Now I'm making money. Now, yeah. now I want this thing to go from a half million to a million dollars and beyond a year. Mm-hmm. So now I have to go one to many. Now I have to think about marketing. Now I have to think about how how can I touch people and help people when I'm not touching and helping them? Yep. Right. How? So that's a and that's a, that's a leap I'm learning. Yes. I, mean, I because again, again, I talk about it. I'm 60 years old. I don't know how long I can have 12 clients, one-on-one clients, mm-hmm. keep that going and keep the pipeline strong and all that stuff. I need to start thinking about this this scale thing. Uh, but if you want to have a lifestyle business at about two two twenty five. You know, the prosperous coach way, the referral way, yep. the lifestyle way is lovely. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, and I never knew that this is what I wanted. Like I, uh, when I first became a coach, I did not think I wanted this. Now I'm on fire yep. about building something that helps more people than I can go help.
1: I think we're in similar spots that way. The vast majority of my clients, especially over the last, you know, since launching the Profit for Coaches brand was a two and two years and a bit whatever, have been those folks who want to get to that half a million dollars a year being a coach, like right? having that lifestyle, being able to pay the bills, enjoy all that kind of fun stuff, and I'm still I'm happy to help coaches get there because there's so many folks who are struggling.
0: And they're doing good work. When I say people shouldn't be coaches, I'm not saying they're not helping people. No. I'm not saying they're not doing wonderful work. I'm saying that that the coaching business itself oh, yeah. isn't what you thought it was and it isn't what it, they sell you it to be. So you're going to be struggling to make ends meet while you're helping other people. And I hate to see people suffering to help other people.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, Hey, first episode. The coaching industry sucks. Like we both, that's how we connected. Yeah. Right. Is we we both are not fans. And it's and I've had to clarify that now. The coaching, it's the coaching the coaches industry that is really terrible. The it's coaching the industry is such a machine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's really more of a, we're going to teach you how to sell info products to teach people how to sell info products to teach people how to sell info products to teach people how to sell info products. That's the, that's the, the vast majority of the coach, the coaches industry. We're using air quotes that you can't see, um, is, uh, that's what it is. It's this giant pyramid, right? And, and even the good ones that are out there, and there are some great ones out there. And there's some organizations that you and I belong to and work with that are, they're good ones, but even the good ones have those moments in those spaces where you're kind of like. Is that really what I want to see though? Right. And it's <laughs> but there's the the coaching industry, like the actual coaches who are out there trying to coach people and make a difference. And like you say, a lot of them probably shouldn't be coaches, not because they're bad people, not because they can't make a difference, because this isn't really where they belong. Because it's a business. Exactly. You have
0: to want to be an entrepreneur. You have to wanna to, you have to wanna to run a business and make money and do profit and loss. Yep. Right. I have an accountability partner who teaches who's like Where's your cash flow? Because yep.
1: I wouldn't think of that. I just yep. want to help people. And the number of people who just resent the fact that they have to deal with money, right? The fact that I have, especially in the life coaching world, um, but also life coaching adjacent world, just this idea. And sometimes they won't, they can't articulate it verbally, but you can just see that it's there that it grinds them, mm-hmm. that they aren't living a good life, enjoying their life just by helping people.
0: We'll give Mr. Chandler this, the Chandler this shout out that, you know, he's always said, you know, you, you're a profession. Remember, you're a profession. Yeah. Right. You get paid. For, if you were a doctor, you wouldn't not, you know, like you, you yeah. get paid for what you do.
1: Yeah, exactly. So guiding those people gently towards better solutions for them. <laughs> the folks that, that understand that they want to have a business, I think there is a choice to be made up to about that half a million, $600,000 a year mark, you can be that one man band, that one where you're the coach. It's you, you're the business, it's a lifestyle, it's, it's, it's owning a job, however you want to call it. And I don't think there's a problem with owning a job, it's fine. And I think there's a lot of people that are happy and will be happy at that space. Mm-hmm. And those are a fair number of my clients. But there is that spot where once you're there, you go wow actually i'm ready to go that next step i'm ready to go to it's not even a next step it's those exponential leaps like you say but at that point you're no longer it's me on a one to one basis making an individual difference in other coaches or other people's lives right in my right. in my clients lives and being okay with becoming a ceo letting go of the day to day and guiding that team and and all that other fun, fun stuff. Um, and I'm at that spot. Like I've looked at my my dreams of things I want. Um, I want to be living on a boat. I want to I want to be bringing people out to my boat for coaching for those one to one VIP days and experiences and things like that. But I need a big. I I need a bigger business to make that happen. So I'm making that you need job. a
0: bigger business for a bigger boat.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a big boat. So <laughs> seventy five foot or more. I think you can build to a point where, well, like what I try to do with my clients is get them to that point of, okay, you're at that half a million dollar a year mark as yourself. You can be happy here. You can stay here. The business is going to run. You're going to live and enjoy your life. Perfect. Stay. Or if you decide, no, I'm ready to go to that bigger thing now. I'm I'm actually decided that this isn't where I want to be. I need that. I want to be at that. And using dollar values or income levels is not the best way necessarily to to describe it, but whatever it is, that larger, that larger thing, so many people have gotten to that, that I don't want to say so many people because a small percentage of, of coaches actually get to that half a million dollars year level, but there's a, a, a large proportion of the people who get there realize that to go to the next step, they have to completely blow it up, rebuild their business from scratch because they haven't built a business that can scale. Right. Um, I think it's possible and I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm getting my clients. What's, what's your thought on, can you build to that half a million level-ish, whatever you call it, that whatever that cap is for you as a person working with individual clients, decide that you're ready to go to a, a larger level and not have to completely blow it up. Can I, don't
0: have to, I don't have to completely blow it up. I, have to, I, have to, but I do have to change my mindset. There's a couple of things. I, more, than a, more than a couple of people have told me my empathy level. That makes me a wonderful one to one coach mm-hmm. is a detriment to building a one to many uh, because again, one to many you have to be more general. you cannot mm-hmm. customize uh, and my empathy would want to make me customize and I've been confronted on this several times mm-hmm. uh, you know building this building this rising leader course, uh, the person who's building it for me she said basically, I have to take your empathy and I have to boil it down to something that's you know gonna work. so it's really an interesting thing. I also have to let go of my Enneagram two-ness, which is in my, you know, as an Enneagram two, I get my self-esteem by how much I help you. Right. Get my, and, but not only how much I help you, by, but by you telling me how much I helped you, that's how I get my self-esteem, right?
1: Mm. But
0: now, you know, now I need to get some of my satisfaction out of building the business. Uh, some of my satisfaction out of seeing my products go do that thing. Mm-hmm. right not being not being the person on the other end of the phone call, so i have to I have to change my mindset there. I've already got an assistant on board, and you and I joined a program that are going to teach us the things that we don't know to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. so I don't have to guess you know now now, when my course takes off and I have you know five cohorts running, what do I do with that i have Mark of today has no idea what he would do when this thing is actually successful and I have five cohorts going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Mark knows, it. I think I got the next cohort. I can do that and I can do that well. But I have, I know, I have people in my life and hire my own coaches who are going to teach me how to do several cohorts. Now, how do I train people to do what I do so that I'm not doing it and they're doing it? So that, though, But I, again, having a coach who's been where I want to go is essential.
1: I think there's a spot there. The people who we talk about, they shouldn't be coaches because they don't want to be entrepreneurs, but they can do- and that's good- the
0: only reason I, that's right, the, I like right, again.
1: Right. I think that folks like, I'll say like you at the, at this point, who are building that spot where you're like, you know what? I'm building this business. I need it to be more than just me. I need to hire other coaches who can do that coaching, who can fit in that spot. So it's not just me so that this can be- I think that's where- that's a great opportunity that you are creating for those folks who are great coaches,
0: yeah, true, and true, true, true.
1: terrible entrepreneurs, true, 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 right, or don't not even terrible entrepreneurs don't want to be entrepreneurs and
0: or think- or haven't or haven't learned how to be an entrepreneur yeah. yet because yes. again, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur when I became a coach. I just didn't think about that yep. now I've cut my teeth. I'm ready. I have you know, I have so many friends who are now training people and and giving them the opportunity, they couldn't make it on their own, mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity, one, to learn better coaching skills, but also to learn how to build a business, make a name for themselves. And it's really fun to watch some yeah. really cool people I've known through the years who are struggling as coaches, joining some of my other friends who are bigger businesses and uh, and making it now. It's 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 beautiful to watch.
1: You brought up a good point in that it's not necessarily a case of, you know what, I need to give up my idea of being a coach, running my own business, whatever. And just go work for someone and just be an employee. It's not that. It's here's an opportunity to take a skill set that you have built in a space that you love working. And by working with someone else or for someone else, however you want to look at it, for whatever period of time, further hone that skill set, surround yourself with people who are at or above your level who can help you get to that next level, either through, well, actually, as a combination of um, uh, being the example for you. Mentoring you, showing you what they're doing and and being able to watch them learn and the mistakes that they make so that I don't know maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's five years, maybe it's ten years you decide okay, I've learned enough now that I I'm ready to to do my own thing again And for other people, it's a case of you know what I'm happy here this is my slot I've got a good I'm making good income, I'm doing what I love doing and I don't have the headaches and hassles of of running of being an entrepreneur and running a business, I can be empathetic. I can be that guy who takes Mark's IP that is very, that is not very general, but has, has to be by necessity a bit more general. And I can be the one who says, oh, in your case, let's, let's adjust it this way, or let's make this like there, there, are, there are a ton of people out there who have IP, like the profit first situation, but Michalowicz, the book is, is super general. There's a ton of places in the book where he had to go with, well, it's the, the biggest chunk of people, this is the best way for them to do it. And he's got a whole army of amazing uh, you know, certified profit first professionals who are out there going, well, actually in your case, here's where to adjust, right? And I think that can be a great opportunity for people who want to be coaches, but aren't necessarily at the spot where they're ready to be, or even want to be, or even know how to be an entrepreneur,
0: Great. So this is this is going to be my call to action. Anybody who's been in corporate America or leadership in the business world, uh, and you're transitioning into a coach about six months to a year from now, I'm going to need your services. There you go. So reach out now,
1: connect. Hey, I'm
0: interested. <laughs> right. Build a build a relationship uh, because uh, I'm already selling this course, uh, and I'm I'm gonna I have ADD. I'm gonna get bored.
1: <laughs> and that's the biggest danger at that. Level. Like you get there are a ton of folks that I've seen who are, you know, they're at that multimillion dollar income level in a coaching business or whatever business. They've built it so they don't have to be there. And their biggest problem is they get bored. And they're like, I'm going to tinker right. with this part of my business. And it <laughs> goes sideways. And they're like, oh crap, now I got to save it. It's like, no, go start a different business or, you know, learn to enjoy. Learn how to be bored and yep. break in the money. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to be bored on a boat. That'll be cool. So awesome, man. So in this journey... Um, first of all, you keep saying 60 and I'm like, really? Cause you, I thought you were young. like, you look younger than me. Um, you have less gray in your beard than I do. Um, my, my beard is completely gray. I have no gray
0: hair on my head, but I, I and I don't know why, but. yeah,
1: Like I've, I've normal anyway, I'm all patchy and stuff. I don't like it. But anyway, what do you do? Um, we will not turn this into the hair club for men special. Oh, now I've completely derailed. Where was I going with this thing? So yeah, the, the lesson, like what's if, if if you, if someone's a coach or thinks that they're a coach or wants to be a coach um they're on the path and they feel like no i am a person who wants to be a coach i feel like i should be a coach somehow some way down down this road what's the takeaway what's the lesson from this that you've learned in your very short actually no, how many years is it do i do you want to answer the question how many years that you've been doing
0: i've been a coach now for 9 years
1: okay so in this in this path Isn't uh, that crazy <laughs> that fast right in 9 years what's the lesson what's what's the big or maybe it's a, a small handful of lessons
0: listen to other people when other people tell you that you should go do something and you kind of want to do it but you're scared do it that fear lean into that mm. fear there's a there's quite a few quite a bit of what we talked about today that had i done it when i thought to do it uh And didn't give in to fear, I'd be ahead of the game, I'd be ahead of where I am today. And I'm giving that advice to myself tomorrow and the next day when there's things, because I'm over my skis now for a couple of things Mm -hmm. I'm doing. You know, just lean in. Um, and then the other piece is that one of the things that really stopped me is I felt like I had to be original. Like everything I taught had to be original. And what I notice is you know, so many of my fellow coaches, their workshops and their, their transformational experiences and all that are all content in Steve (laughs) Chan or all came from Werner Erhard, Right. Like, like there's, there's only a few places where this Mm -hmm. came from. Very few of you are going to be unique coaches and there's enough, there's a grocery store on every corner because everybody needs Mm -hmm. groceries. There's enough people who need to be taught leadership by good people. There's enough people who need to be taught intimacy and sex or whatever kind of coach you are, right? So so don't worry about it. People, you know, I, like uh, the, the joke that we have is, you know, victim owner is like in one of Steve's early books. It's what every coach teaches. It's everybody talks about victim owner. There's a million different philosophies and all that stuff. But I can't tell you how many times I'll have a first-time client from corporate America and I'll give them that distinction. And they're like, Oh my God, never thought yeah. of that. So what, you know, I'm, you know, my, every, all of my um social media and all, everything that comes to me is all coachy stuff. So I think everybody knows this stuff.
1: Right? Oh no, nobody knows this. Nobody knows <laughs> well, it's this the stuff. experts curse, right? We we think this is all yeah. new. We, we think the basics are too basic. Everybody knows this. And especially when we get in that world where everybody's talking about it and it's just like, Oh, I, there's nothing, you know, I'm stealing. <laughs> I had this the other day because I like in my, in one of our programs, we have on-ramp stuff that we do and, and, and things like that. And then, you know, this program that we're both in, I'm going through their onboarding stuff and I'm like, they're going to think I'm stealing their stuff. They're going to think I've been, because you were, you were already, that's
0: why you already teach it. But, but you want, you know, for again, but being in a, being in a cohort of people who are where you want to be is what you want. It's not the, it's not the content, Absolutely. you know how to do all this stuff. It's being yep. in a cohort that, that that can make you say, oh, I coach people who change cat litter and I made $20 million last year.
1: Great. I Excellent. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. We talk about their, their, the old joke. Well, not joke. What's that? The old axiom, truism, whatever pithy statement is, you know, uh, Methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. And there are only so many success. There are only so many principles for success, and they don't change. How we apply them, the language we use around them, whatever that changes all the time. But like you can go back. When was cyber, psycho-cybernetics written? Nineteen fifties, right? And before that, when did um, uh, Carnegie write How to Win Friends and Influence People? Right. And his actually. Oh my God! You mean back in the twenties, people knew about masterminds. Yeah. Okay. And, and actually the better book of the two for me is, is how to stop worrying and start living. Right. And nobody knows that book exists seemingly until I start talking with people at certain levels are like, yeah, that's, I've had that book for years. I've worn out 20 copies. It's amazing. And you go look at this stuff that's been around for, you know, centuries at this point, And it's the same stuff. And I've been told that the expert business is really taking in the things that are out there. And synthesizing them into your own way of describing them, which doesn't even have to necessarily be super original, but it's just like this is the way I talk about it. this is the way I see it, this is how I've put it together. And then right. you, f- your audience, are the people who go, "Yeah, that makes sense to me."
0: I, I call that the alchemy, right? Yeah. They can hear it from your voice; they can't hear it from somebody else's.
1: Yeah, and you know, and it's why you can tell somebody something, you know, five hundred times over the course of years. And then they go read a book or, a, or worse, like a, a meme off of the internet. And they're like, Oh, this is amazing. This is totally. Yeah.
0: My, I can't tell you how many times my client, I'm like, you know, you pay me $2,000 an hour to talk
1: to me. And you just took that meme. I've been telling you this for three yep. years. Yep. <laughs> really? Yep. It's because it's, it's the voice that they, that they need to hear or the way they need, or, or the time that they need to hear it. And so I think being worried about, am I super original or am I not? Nah, don't worry about it. Like it's, you're going to be yourself and your people are going to hear it the way you say it and be excited about it. And others are going to hear it and be like, Oh, that's just a Simon Sinek ripoff. Okay, cool. You love Simon Sinek. Go be it. Go. Be it. <laughs> he
0: ripped off all his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he's brilliant. By the way, oh, yeah, you know, he's brilliant at
1: it. But it like there's nothing original. Well, what's the, I forget where I got it from. But the R&D actually stands for rip off and deploy. So, but anyway, yes. man, it's it's been a great conversation. I've I've enjoyed the heck out of this. Um, where can people find you these days? Uh, everything's at
0: markjsilverman.com. Mark, the letter J, silverman.com. In fact, if you go, to, uh, there's a red banner at the top. If you go to that red banner, uh, you can get a free copy of my book. There's some videos of some of the stuff that I teach there. So there's a bunch of resources for your people. They just go there. Awesome.
1: So folks reach out and they go, hey, I'm a coach or I'm like, we, in particular, you're wanting to talk to people who are, their their former corporate. Right,
0: yeah, business, business people, corporate people uh, who know that world, who are walk, you know, look, going into the coaching okay. business. So I need, to, I need people. Uh, and then it's, again, it's about six months to a year, but someone who's not afraid to be in front of a group of powerful people
1: Okay. and
0: uh, take, take them through some, uh, some paces.
1: All right, so what if they're in corporate now? And they're not sure that, like, how much of it, how, when do they need to have made that jump from corporate to to doing consulting, coaching, advising? Like, what, how much? I of, think they need they need to have some coach training okay. before they ever come anywhere near this, because you you have
0: to be able to know how to talk to people, you have to know how to listen to people, and and give something back to them so that they can hear it. Uh, that's a, that's a skill.
1: Cool. So for somebody who's thinking about it, whether it's to work with you or not, someone who's thinking about making that jump from corporate. To the coaching, what's the best? What's the best way to build that skill set before they take that jump, or after?
0: Ha, ha, have lots of money in the bank. <laughs>
1: um,
0: have money in the bank because if you're desperate, uh, you won't be a good coach. Yeah. Um, I I say you know join a coaching program, mm-hmm. you know a reputable coaching program, and practice, 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 and just coach your ass
1: off. Yep. Awesome, my friend. Um, anything else that we want to put in the show notes, or we want people to know about?
0: No good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, thrilled to talk to you anytime.
1: <laughs> oh, just a, a side thing. You had set, sa- you said in there that you used to, where you got your, your self-esteem was the, I coach you, I make a difference in your world and you tell me about it. <laughs> yes. And don't forget that you tell me about it. Yep. And when I was on your show, however long ago that was, we talked about that. How's your collection of testimonials going?
0: I have a whole, oh, I have a whole box of testimonials. I have cards that I keep behind me. Uh, if it's an email, like take a screenshot. Uh, I have them. I have them. That is. So thank you. That is
1: awesome. Cool. My friend, great talking to you. Um, we will put, like I said, everything in the show notes and people.
0: You're amazing, Josh. The reason, by the way, the reason I'm here is because you actually do make a difference in the lives of coaches. Awesome. Uh, so I really appreciate being able to support what
1: you do. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate having you around. You're you're one of the good ones. So thanks so much. That's it for this episode of Profit for Coaches. I've been your host, Joss Withard. To make sure you never miss a new episode, go to ProfitforCoaches.com to subscribe now. You'll also find all the show notes, resources, guides, links, freebies, and other goodies that we mentioned on the show. Plus, we've got some special bonuses there just for our subscribers. So to make sure you profit fully from this and each new episode of Profit for Coaches, go to ProfitforCoaches.com now.